No matter what I'm going through, it's going to a meeting that brings me peace. Welcome to episode 57 of The Recovery Show. This episode is brought to you by Becky and Matthew. They used the donation button on our website. Thank you, Becky and Matthew, for your generous contributions. This episode is for you. We are friends and family members of alcoholics and addicts who have found a path to serenity and happiness. We who live or have lived with the seemingly hopeless problem of addiction understand as perhaps few others can. So much depends on our own attitudes, and we believe that changed attitudes can aid recovery. Have you ever wondered, why do I need to go to meetings? Can't I just read the literature? Or maybe talk to my friends? I mean, what's with the meeting thing? So today we're going to talk about face-to-face meetings and why they're important, for us at least. Before we begin, we would like to state that though we at The Recovery Show may be in a 12-step program, we represent ourselves rather than the program. During this show, we will share our own experiences as they relate to the topic of face-to-face meetings. The opinions expressed here are strictly those of the person who gave them. Take what you like and leave the rest. We hope that you will find something in our sharing that leads speaks to your life. My name is Spencer, and I will be your host today. Joining me is co-host Wendy. How are you today, Wendy? Well, I got a little bit of a cold, but I have a day off, so, you know, counting my blessings there. Isn't that the way it goes, huh? <laughs> I love getting sick on a weekend or a holiday. Uh, that's sarcasm, if case you can't tell. <laughs> the first segment of today's episode of The Recovery Show will be our discussion of the topic, face-to-face meetings. Following a musical break, we will talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in the meetings we attend and in our lives. We will follow that with your email or voice contributions and some brief news about the podcast before closing with another musical break. And for a reading today, I wanted to um, read a a sharing that was recently posted in the Al-Anon forum at the uh, website intherooms.com, which is sort of social media for recovery uh, website. I love this program. I went to a meeting last night that I had never been to before, and the only other person who showed up was a person who had only attended a couple of meetings several years ago, and later, another person who had been to quite a few open meetings, but not so many where literature was read, etc. I, myself, being fairly new to Al-Anon, and still yet in search of a sponsor, dug through my purse for some literature and found a little booklet given to me at one of the many beginner meetings I've attended, and I was able to pass that on and share the serenity prayer at the end. You'd think this unmeeting would have been rather a waste of time, but instead what emerged was a sharing of the hope, strength, and experience I'd gleaned so far. I had gone to the meeting with a heavy heart and problems at home that seemed overwhelming with no clear solution in sight. No real right thing to do. But going to a meeting is always the right thing to do, and I discovered the power of that in a small storage room where our unmeeting took place while my children played on the floor. I found myself saying things like, I don't have to have all the answers today. And as we shared our very common experiences of dealing with an active alcoholic partner, I felt my problems were not so peculiar after all. More importantly, I made a friend. I shared hope. I came away stronger than when I went in. This morning I prayed only for knowledge of God's will for my life and the power to carry that out and discovered forgiveness, peace, and grace. And uh, I was like, wow. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. That was my first response. Wow, how powerful is that? Really. Um, So let's talk about um, meanings and and why they're important to us. And why don't we start out actually just sort of, why do you go to meetings, Wendy? Um, Well, I had started off um, when my life was really unmanageable, trying to just read literature, even went to some online meetings, and they helped. But it just, I I needed more. I, I needed 
more help than, than what that was giving. Um, and so I went to a, a face-to-face meeting, uh, you know, a, a group meeting. And while that first meeting, I don't think I was ready for it, 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 it must have sparked something because I came back. And the reason I go to meetings, there are a lot of them, but one reason that I was thinking about recently that I go to meetings is <clears throat> sometimes I just need to share. I need to physically say aloud the things that I'm trying to work out in my head. Because if I just keep it in my head where it's still a little sick in that head, (laughs) if I keep it up there in that sickness, it's not getting better. I'll be stewing on a problem for two weeks and it's just not getting any better and it's getting worse. And I go to a meeting and I just say the same things that had been going around in my head out loud. And instantly it's better. I mean, this problem isn't solved. Don't get me wrong. But there's a release that I feel by just physically getting it out. I can look at it more rationally after I get it out of my head and I'm kind of staring out at it, you know, once it's out there in the ether and other people are nodding their heads and understanding like they've been there. I don't feel so alone. I don't feel so crazy for having these thoughts because others are nodding and that means they've had these same experiences. Heck, sometimes just by saying it aloud, I realize how ridiculous it is. <laughs> I I will be, you know, in tears, just agonizing over something going over round and round in my head. I say it out loud, say the words out loud at a meeting and instantly crack up and think, what? That's what's been plaguing me for, you know, a week now? That ridiculousness? When I say it out loud, I hear just how silly it is. Or I hear how scary it is. And I can recognize that, that I'm I'm having a hard time dealing with it because I'm coming at it from a place of fear. And and I don't know, just just having that face-to-face having that opportunity to get things out and saying it aloud just helps me in ways that I don't get by reading the the, the conference-approved literature. I don't get from um, – I don't even get the in the same way as an online meeting, although I, I still enjoy my online meetings. But it, it just the physical action of saying it aloud just does something for me. So once again, there are lots of different reasons, but that's one that I've been thinking about recently. Yeah. And uh, I mean, there, there's a number of reasons why I go to meetings, but I think you said that one of the important things for me, which is saying things out loud, uh, when I'm just in my head and the only voice that I'm hearing is mine, it, uh, I, can, I can tell myself a lot of stories <laughs> that um, aren't true. Uh, it's, it's easy for me to stay in my denial when I'm in my head. It's easy for me to be living in the past or the future when I'm in my head. And so, you know, part one of of why I go to meetings is because I need to talk. I need to say things out loud. I need to hear my own voice. I need to hear, as you say, um, you know, maybe how crazy something is, how scary something is, or to say something and suddenly understand it in a different way. Mm. Uh, And the second part is hearing what everybody else has to say. And, okay, I can read um, you know, daily reading uh, in uh, Encourage to Change or One Day at a Time or something like that. Those are sort of like what I might hear in a meeting, uh, but it lacks the 
immediacy and the humanity of of seeing another person, seeing their face, seeing their expressions, hearing their voice, hearing the emotions in their voice, maybe. Um, when with that, I can then identify, um, identify a lot more strongly with their experience, with what they're maybe the way that they work through an experience or the way they're struggling with an experience. And maybe I can relate that to something that's going on in my, in my story as well. And I think about, and I was trying to find this, this quote, but um, I'll just have to pull it out of my head that in Alcoholics Anonymous, they say something like, you know, the, the core of this program is one alcoholic talking to another and thinking about how um, at the beginning, Bill Wilson kept his sobriety by trying to give away what he had learned by meeting with other alcoholics and probably by seeing how they were struggling as well. Um, and uh, I was looking for something here. Let me see if I can find it. Um, my, uh, my brother gave, uh, gave us a book for Christmas. Uh, it's a book of poems called Drunks and Other Poems. And it's written by a fellow who's who had, I think, about 40 years of sobriety at that, at the, well, he wrote these poems over, over a long span of time, but at the time that the book was published, it was published anonymously because he was still alive and in the program. Um, he's since uh, died, and it's now published um, under his own name. I'll put a link. I think I put a link maybe in last week's episode, but I'm not positive, so I'll put a link in this week's episode for sure on the on the website. And the first poem is called Drunks, and it it sort of tells the story of, of um, you know, Bill Wilson founding, uh, founding AA. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it here. Until a day came in a hotel lobby, and it wasn't Rome or Jerusalem or Mecca or even Dublin or South Boston. It was Akron, Ohio, for Christ's sake. A day came when the man said, I have to find a drunk because I need him as much as he needs me. And, you know, that is really the core of our program too, is that, that we, we need each other and we don't get that if we don't meet to pe- meet with other people face to face. I wonder what, so you, as I recall your story, you went to some meetings and then you stopped going for a while and just tried to um, make it on the literature or whatever. Um, what, what did you use during that period when you weren't going to meetings? Um. <clears throat> Um, how Al-Anon works, the, the blue book, um, the, um, the daily reader, um, both daily readers, and um, then occasionally these online meetings. And um, So yeah. talk about the online meetings. I mean, how does that compare for you? Um, if you can remember the, you know, <laughs> I, I can only because I, I recently just did an online meeting okay. last week. <laughs> I am a friend of mine had been out traveling and, and, and did an online meeting. I'm like, Oh yeah, I used to enjoy those. I'm going to check one out again. And, um, and I did. And it, it does. So talk about how that meeting works, that particular online meeting. Is it like a chat room or is it? It is. It's a chat room. Um, and it's run just like a regular meeting. I mean, no, um, no crosstalk. There is, um, uh, there's an opening very similar to the opening as most meetings that I go to. Um, 
This particular one, um, they asked for a topic for people to talk about. There wasn't a set topic. No, I do know that they have other meetings that there are set topics. Um, but this particular one I was at, they just asked if anybody had a, a topic that they wanted to talk about and a, um, a suggestion was made. And so that was the, um, the, the topic that we talked about. And, um, and yeah, people shared, gave, shared their experience, strength, and hope the same as you would in a, a, an online meeting. Um, and it was very good. It still wasn't the same for me, though, as a face-to-face meeting. I, I, I missed, I, it, it, I don't know, it, maybe it's me being shallow or something, but I missed that, that communication, that, 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 that head nod. That 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 kind smile, that understanding look, that that yes, we share this same commonality that you just didn't get on the computer. I got those same really wise shares. Um, I was able to share, but it still just lacked something for me. When I gave my share, I didn't. It just was kind of out there in the open, and it just I, I didn't feel that same warmth. That I get that same understanding I get when I share in a face-to-face meeting. Um, I got the same shares back, and that was good. And I found myself doing the same things. Even though I'm on the computer, I'm still nodding my head and smiling and <laughs> saying, mm, yes, <laughs> the same way I would at a normal meeting. But the part that it lacked for me was that I didn't get the interaction when I was sharing, and I realized that's something important for me. Yeah, I have never actually participated in an online <clears throat> meeting. Um, the In the Rooms uh, social media site has uh, online video meeting, um, which happens basically at the same time as my home group. Mm. <laughs> so I've never, I've never done it. It, it. You know, it seems like maybe sometime when I'm traveling and not able to get to my meeting that night, I should, I should check it out. I did go and look at the discussion of, you know, the FAQ or whatever, you know, what is, how does this meeting work? And I guess, you know, whether you actually appear on video is optional. Only the person who's speaking has, has their face Mm. or whatever on video, but you can have like a still photo of yourself sort of, you know, as the, the audience, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I think they have some mechanism where you sort of raise your hand uh, and the, and there's a moderator who then decides who's speaking next. Um, so it sounded like it might be a little bit more dynamic than, and certainly you hear people's voices and you see the face of the person mm-hmm. who's talking. But I'm, I, I imagine you still don't get the um, the feedback. Mm-hmm. You know, it's last week we were talking about communication, and one of the the topics that I we didn't spend very much time talking about was nonverbal communication, and 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 what you're saying and what I've experienced is that. In our face-to-face meetings, the the nonverbal feedback or the you know semi-verbal feedback, the uh-huh, <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the laughter, um, is equally important in in our you know not in uh, maybe getting the words and and so on, but in our experience of the meeting in our in sort of the gestalt of of the meeting. I'm I'm I'm, I'm struggling for words here. Um, what other things have you used? other than meetings to help you work your program because i have this feeling that meetings you know meetings are important but there are other things that we need to do that maybe meetings don't serve and so now 
when you are well, you are going to meetings regularly, but I'm I'm imagining that there are other things that you do for your program that are not in the meeting. Yeah, um, not formal meeting, but meeting with friends in the program, meeting with other people in the program, whether it be my sponsor, whether it just be um, other people in the program. Having that interaction is so important for me right now um, because sometimes I spoke earlier about how it's important for me to be able to share, but sometimes it's equally important for me to be able to listen. And while, yes, I'm listening when I'm reading conference-approved literature, it's still I'm still just making it all about me. Mm-hmm. And sometimes if I'm struggling with something, I need to let it go. I need to give it to God. I need to give it to my higher power. And I need to to get away from it for a bit. And so meeting with friends in the program lets me share what I'm going through, but also hear what they're going through and and have discussions and you know about other things and and maybe me sharing my experience, strength and hope on what they're going through may give me insight later on down to what I'm dealing with or or what have you. But sometimes just getting out of myself and dealing with other people and that are going through these same kinds of struggles is really important to me. So so interaction, whether it be just going out for coffee, you know, with a, a friend who's also in the program or, you know, something more formal, you know, meeting with my sponsor, um, uh, you know, going to open talks and, and hanging around after, you know, the meeting after the meeting and, uh, you know, just hanging around with other people who are in the, the, the various programs. It's just really important for me to stay strong in my program. If, I, <clears throat> if I'm not going to meetings and I'm only relying on literature, and once again, this is just me, my, my program starts to weaken my in so many ways that that for me to stay the strongest I can in my program, I need to be actively active in my program, which which once again takes lots of it, it's reading that conference conference approved literature. It's going to meetings. It's hanging out with people who are in the program. It, you know, I have to be actively in it's doing this podcast. It's actively being involved with the community that keeps me strong in the program. Absolutely, and uh, I like I like what you had to say about about meeting with people in the program outside of meetings. And uh, you know, certainly, I get that contact through doing the podcast here. Um, uh, one of the one of the things that happened um, with the departure of my uh, co-hosts. Of, of earlier is that I've had to reach out and and talk to more people and say, hey, you know, I do this podcast, which is sort of about Al-Anon, and, you know, this week we're going to talk about, you know, why face-to-face meetings are important. How would you like to come participate? And, you know, that's something that is not comfortable for me to do. Uh, I think it's it's sort of, I think a lot of it may be fear of rejection. Mm. Um, and and what's funny is that, you know, very often the response I get is, oh, sure. Yeah, great. Uh, the, the the first time I asked a, a couple of people who had, I think, didn't even know about the podcast if they wanted to be on it, they both said yes. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's crazy. Um, and uh, But then I get the benefit of, you know, that other point of view. I get the benefit of 
the back and forth conversation. Um, and that is something that, that in the meetings that I go to, we don't have back and forth conversation, mm-hmm. right? They're all, um, all the meetings that I go to have the no crosstalk rule. And so I share, I shut up, somebody else shares, they shut up. We don't, we don't talk to each other. We talk, you know, from ourselves. And that's, that's important to be, uh, for a lot of people to feeling safe, to being able to trust that what I say is not going to be met with some sort of criticism and and vice versa, of course. It's also been very important for me in learning new communication skills. <laughs> That's sort of a personal a personal thing, but but also sitting down, you know, over coffee or whatever and, and just talking about some program subjects uh is is also helpful in a very different way sometimes. And um, also you know, another face-to-face relation that, that many of us in the program have is with our sponsor. And to me, that, you know, that's a, again, that's a little bit of a different relationship because, um, you know, the, the goal of the meeting is usually um, a little more focused. I know when I'm working with sponsees, usually we're working on a step. And so, you know, we're focused on, on that step, but there may also be some, just some conversation about what's going on in my sponsee's life and, and ways that, that they might think about, um, think about what's going on and think about their response to what's going on. Um, but it's, again, it's different. If all I had was connection with sponsees, that would be, you know, that would be something that would be something, but it wouldn't give me the diversity of thought that I find in a meeting. And I guess that's another thing that, that is important for me. Um, yeah, so I was listening to um, a speaker talking about sponsorship at at um, an Al-Anon conference or whatever, and she did this thing. She talked for a while, and then she handed out questions to the audience and had people give their answers to the questions. And and one of the questions was, if you've been in the program for twenty years, do you still need a sponsor? Or you know, I don't know if it said twenty years <laughs> right. exactly, but. You know, if you've been in the program for a long time, do you still need a sponsor? And, you know, the person who got that question answered it from from her her experience, and, and her answer was, yes, I, I still need a sponsor because this and this and this. My answer to that is, I need a sponsor because I need somebody who's not me that I can talk to about my crooked thinking. Um, and... You know, I could get that from anybody in the program, really. I get that from meetings. But to have somebody that I don't have to go tell the whole story to every time I want to right. <laughs> ask a question or, you know, I'm thinking about this and I'm really not sure about it. What do you think? And, and uh, you know, the response is often something like, well, you need to, you know, do some inventory, pray, meditate. And uh, and how do you feel about it? Do you feel good about it? You know, <laughs> Um so, you know, that's important to have. And and it, but it's not it's not the whole program. If it was just me and a sponsor or me and a sponsee, um, you know, it wouldn't it wouldn't have the impact on my life that, that the whole program has. No, um, because wisdom comes from so many sources. It's it, it just it, it it truly amazes me. Every every meeting I go to, the the wisdom that I hear and, and 
You know, it, it, it definitely shows you don't judge a book by its cover because, you know, you may see someone in, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, what are they going to say? And the deepest wisdom I've heard in months comes out of their mouth. And, and yeah, if I just had, if I just had a sponsor, I would get their take on things and maybe their sponsor's take on things funneled down through them. But, but yeah, it's just this one, one chain of thought. I go to a meeting and we do want, you know, we say we read something from a daily, uh, you know, daily literature and uh, everybody gives their share on it and so many diverse takes on it. You know, if I'm talking to my sponsor, I'm going to get one take on that reading where if I'm at a meeting, I may get 10 different takes on this one same two paragraph reading. And so just, you know, I may read that reading in the morning and think, yeah, that's not me and just flippantly go on by. And I get to the meeting and somebody takes some nugget out of that and relates it to their life. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that's totally me. I didn't even think of it that way when I read it this morning. And and it, it makes a huge impact on my life because it brings up something that I didn't even realize, you know? So yeah, just the the, the wealth of experience, strength, and hope that you get from a meeting, whether it be five people or a hundred people, you know, it's just you never know where that those thing those those connections are going to come from. That that wisdom is going to come from. Absolutely, and as you as you were talking, I was thinking about also you know the experience of my first, really my first meeting, uh, where the what I learned in the first meeting was that I was not alone, and every time every time I walk into you know one of our rooms. I know I'm not alone. And that's important. That's still important. Um, you know, at that time it was, I'm not alone in this, in this horrible struggle. There are people who understand. There are people who have been where I am. There are people that I can identify with and they can identify with me. And now it's, I'm not alone in this path of recovery. And when I have a crisis... When I have a crisis, there's a place I can go that I will be welcome. No matter what's going on in my life, I will be welcome there. And that's, that's really important. Um, you know, Maria, uh, who is a frequent guest host on this, on, on the podcast, isn't able to be here today, but she did, uh, send us, uh, her thoughts on face to face meetings. And Wendy, maybe you could read those. Sure. Hi, Spencer and friends. I'm not able to be on the show this week, but wanted to send in my thoughts on the topic of face-to-face meetings, why they're important. For me, one of the most important things about face-to-face meetings is a chance to get to know other people at the meetings and develop friendships there. While it's technically possible to learn about the principles of the program through other means, like books or podcasts, I find there's something irreplaceable about getting to know actual people who are going through or have been through similar struggles and are trying to live life based on these principles. Being able to share back and forth allows relationships to develop that can sometimes turn into getting together outside of meetings or even sponsor or sponsee relationships and all of that just grows out of these face-to-face meetings. Having those connections allows me to feel comfortable reaching out and asking for help when I need it. With face-to-face meetings, the communication becomes a two-way street. Reading a book, I can take in information, but I can't really contribute anything or share my own personal struggles, and I can't get feedback or support on what I'm going through. 
listening to a podcast is really still only a one-way communication. Although with a podcast, I do have more options to contribute to the show by sending in my thoughts via email or voicemail or actually being part of the conversation. But also, face-to-face meetings hold me accountable. With books or podcasts, I can take in the information when I want to, but then if I feel like slacking off or I just set them aside. Um, But with face-to-face meetings, technically I don't have to go, but knowing that there are other people there who I'd like to see because they're friends and who might be asking about me if I'm not there at my regular meetings, you know, that helps to keep me accountable and to keep me coming back so that I continue to show up and continue working the program. Also, signing up for a service commitment is a great way to hold myself to some accountability that I couldn't really do without a face-to-face meeting. Thanks, Maria. Yeah, thank you. And uh, later we'll hear a little more from her about how um, uh, being able to go to meetings helped her this week or last week, whatever. Um, So other other, um, resources that I use in my program, when when I was working the steps, and actually both times that I worked the steps all the way through – sort of deliberately, as opposed to the way in which sometimes I'll I'll run through the steps on a small problem, uh, you know, sort of in a day or something. Both of those times I did it with the support of a small group that joined purposely for the purpose of working the steps. We met regularly. Both of those groups met once a week. I've, I've heard of groups that meet on different schedules and but this is what I did. And we worked through our book called Paths to Recovery, um, going through the questions for each step, uh, talking about our answer to those questions, maybe having a little bit of discussion. One of the groups, we adhered a lot more to um, no crosstalk than than the other group. It just was a different set of people with different feelings about, about crosstalk uh, in that setting. And because it was a group of people who came together for this purpose and stayed together, um, and we closed the group so that nobody was coming in in the middle, we were able to develop a lot of trust. Uh, and so when we got to those hard questions and in the inventory step and, and uh, some of those other steps, we, were, we had the trust to be able to really open up and talk about what was going on. And so it was sort of, sort of like a meeting, sort of like meeting with a sponsor, and sort of like none of those. <laughs> um, and it was it was a really, I don't think I would have really gotten as much as I did from working the steps without that experience. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's hard for me to know how it would have been different because it was what it was. Um, but still with that, I also needed the meetings. Um, you know, this was, this was, I mean, maybe, maybe I went to fewer meetings and substituted this for one of the meetings I might have gone to, or maybe I didn't. Um, I don't know. Have you have you done anything like that? I haven't. I haven't done an, a, like an AWOL group or something like that. Um, right. Yeah, that's what – sorry. I meant to say that we, we called a group an AWOL group that stands for a way of life or a way of living. And and in general, an AWOL group is, is, a, is as I said, it's a small group that gets together to study the program. The ones that I was in were focused on working the steps. Um, and it was, as I say, it was a really amazing, um, addition to what I got from meetings. Um, I find it interesting, something that Maria brought up, um, that, um, that I hadn't thought about, but it's so very true. Um, me going to meetings 
isn't just for me. I mean, we're a community. We, I am there not only to get help for myself, but to be of service to my other people who are in that meetings. And if I didn't go to that meeting and give my share, you know, my share may mean something to someone else, just like their shares mean something to me. So, so that's another reason that I go to face-to-face meetings because I, I want to give back to this community that's given me so very much that I say time and time again has saved my life. You know, I, I, I somewhat owe a debt to, to that community that, that you know, that I, I don't know what I owe a debt, but I mean, I want to. I want to be of service to, to those wonderful people who saved my life. And so if my stupid little blonde <laughs> blathering share <laughs> means anything to anyone, then I want to be there to give it to, you know, this person who, you know, maybe is new to the program. And maybe I say the one thing to them that sticks with them, just like somebody did to me when I was you know, new to the program. So I, I feel, you know, very strongly that I have to at least attend some face-to-face meetings just for that very purpose alone, to be of service. Yeah. And I think about the the meeting that I started out going to that I consider my, my home group is a very large meeting. And which in in our part of the world in Al-Anon means 60 to 100 people. That's very large. Most of the meetings that I go to are much smaller than that. And the smallest meeting I went to recently, and granted this was on a night when we were in the middle of a blizzard, had three people there. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and the only reason I went was because I'd made the commitment to open the meeting. <laughs> Otherwise, I would have stayed home. Uh, and the other two were there because there's an AA meeting at the same time, and their um, spouses were in the AA meeting, like, uh, opening the AA meeting or something. So <laughs> they looked at me when I walked in and said, we know why we're here, but why are you here? <laughs> and I said, well. Um, but it is, it's service and, and commitment. And and you talked about community. And that is one of the things that we get is we, f- we have a community uh, and we have a community that supports each other. And I think about people in the in the Wednesday night meeting, which is the large meeting, who come every week and they listen and maybe nod their head or whatever, or maybe cry, seeing that. Uh, and and then they, they leave at the end of the meeting and, and maybe they don't say anything. And then after a while, they'll start to identify with somebody and they'll see, you know, maybe they'll come up to me, maybe they'll come up to somebody else after the meeting and, and start talking to them. And so there's this process of bringing into community um we don't force people to talk. We don't, you know, we ask, are you new to the meeting? Do you want to share your name? Uh, people do. Uh, and I know people who, who didn't. They came to their first meeting, and when it when when the question was, is there anybody who's at their first meeting, you know, could you share your name so we can welcome you? And they just sat there silently because they weren't ready. And And so coming into the community and seeing seeing the way in which we support each other, seeing the the way in which we love each other um, that's just shown in the acceptance of, of what people share and, and, and also coming to realize that, you know, my experiences are not unique to me, um, that in, at least in that context, there is no shame in sharing them, made it possible to start to find that recovery, to start to make those connections with people that I could learn from, and to start to have my voice. And I know I said last week in the podcast that 
one of the things that I really learned in Al-Anon was, was how to shut up and listen. <laughs> um, at the beginning, I didn't, I didn't have a real voice. What I had was a lot of pain that I expressed. And, and so being there and, and seeing how other people expressed their recovery, their pain, their joy, their sorrow, um, sort of, you know, showed me, showed me a way to be in that relationship with, uh, in, 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 in recovery. I really, there's no way I would have gotten that just from reading books. Um, you know, if this, if, if a podcast like this had been available back then, I mean, there weren't even podcasts when I came in Alan on, there was no <laughs> such thing. Right. Um, you know, I, I, I might have gotten something from that, um, but it still is is isn't the same. What else? What else do I do? Um, you know, we always encourage everybody, but particularly newcomers, to pick up our phone list and to make phone calls. And I know I didn't do that, <laughs> but it it is another way of connecting, and it's a way of of, of connecting outside of meetings, and 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 I do it now. I don't probably do it as much as as would be really helpful for me. I try to avoid the should word here, you know. Um, but when when I'm in some kind of a crisis or just in some confusion, uh, to be able to pick up the phone and connect to another person is a really valuable tool. I don't know what what other. Um, do you have other tools, other resources that you use outside of meetings that maybe um, connect back to meetings in some way? Or? <clears throat> on that same thing, I never, I never called, I never called a person, but I did email. So on the on the on the same token, lots of times right. on the phone list there are email addresses as well. Um, I just I couldn't I couldn't I don't know why I can talk to every stranger in the grocery store imaginable, but. These are my deep dark secrets, and I can't share those with easily with just no. anyone. And uh, so, yeah, I couldn't. But th- that little bit of anonymity, that little bit of protection that the email mm. gave me versus the phone, I was able to do. So I did. I did use the phone list um, a little. Once again, not as much as I had thought I might, um, but I did use them um, through email. Um, that that's one thing. That, that's another thing with the um, <clears throat> that that sponsors um, play a big role because that while the meetings are fantastic and we are so blessed in this community where we have you know a meeting every day you know available to us somewhere fairly close, um, lots of people don't have that. Yeah. So if you're going through something, you may not want to wait an entire week, you know, to, to go to another meeting and to get that, you know, help that, that you need or to be able to, to, to share. And so the, 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 the more immediacy of having a sponsor is, is something that that's just invaluable to me now. I didn't have a sponsor for the longest time in the program. And, uh, um, I was going through something at the holidays and, uh, to be able to have a sponsor that I could, you know, contact because I was going out of town and I didn't even know where the meetings were, when the meetings were, or whatever. And I, I needed help then, <laughs> and you know, to be able to have that sponsor that I could call, have that sponsor I could email was just, you know, invaluable for me to get through that one day, that one mm-hmm. issue I was going through. So, which, which, of course, how do you know who to call, who to email, who to ask to be a sponsor if you don't go to meetings? True. Right. Very true. 
Uh, I rarely call somebody that I have not already talked to at a meeting. I just, it's, it's not something that's, it's easy for me to do at all. I rarely email somebody that I don't already have a connection with. How did I make that connection? Because they were at a meeting and we talked. Uh, and, uh, so it just, I, I, it's really hard for me to imagine doing my program without having meetings to go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know there are people who are not blessed with meetings, who are not, or who are still struggling with the concept of going to a meeting and sort of, you know, putting themselves out there. Uh, I mean, I think I didn't come to, to Al-Anon for a long time because I didn't think I needed it. Um, and as soon as I realized I needed it, I started coming to meetings. So I didn't, I didn't have that issue, but I know we, we, we hear from people in email, um, uh, that, uh, you know, they still, this concept of going into a room full of strangers and even being there and by being there, admitting sort of, you know, to the world, if you will, that they have a problem that that's very difficult, um, to, to face. And, you know, we try to do the best we can here to say, look, we've all been there. Um, everybody in a meeting who sees a newcomer coming in knows that feeling, mm knows that feeling. And, you know, I, I will say when, when I'm sitting at a first step table talking about my experience, I usually say, yeah, you know, I went into my first meeting and I sat right by the door so I could escape if I needed to, because I didn't know if I was going to be able to stay there. I didn't know, you know, my, my greatest fear walking into the meeting was I would see somebody I knew. And of course, Almost the first person I met was somebody I knew. <laughs> and uh, we both were kind of like, whoa, because I think that person hadn't been coming very long either. Uh, but, you know, I very quickly realized that, that there was nothing to fear there, you know. Um, and th- there was another person who has since become a good friend in the program and, and I've learned a lot from who worked at my children's school. And I didn't really know this person very well. I just had, you know, occasional interactions with them around um, things to do with my kids' schooling, and and so there was even more of a, oh my God, now this person knows that there's alcoholism in my family. Not thinking, of course, why is this person there? <laughs> Duh. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> um. She's, you know, they're there because they got alcoholism in their family, mm-hmm. right? And and we share that in common. Um, so I wanted to, um, I, I don't know, do you have any last thoughts here? No, no. Okay. I wanted to close um, with a paragraph from How Al-Anon Works. This is on page 11. It's in the chapter titled, Finding Help. It can be difficult to believe that sharing our experiences with other people could do anything but add to our pain and isolation. Yet reaching out to others is the key to recovering from the effects of alcoholism. The difference is that we must choose these people with great care to ensure that they really can help. We find the encouragement, help, and support we've been seeking in Elanon. What a miraculous feeling to discover that many, many others do understand what we are going through. As incredible as it may sound, in these meetings we encounter people who have known the same fear and suffering, the confusion and the despair that we have, yet by coming together and sharing their experience, strength, and hope, 
They are able to move beyond their pain and begin to build better, happier lives. That's why attending Al-Anon meetings is so important. After having suffered alone with the effects of this brutal disease, the Al-Anon Fellowship is an unexpectedly rich and nourishing source of compassion and support. So we'll be back after a short break where we'll talk about our lives in recovery, where we talk about the meetings we attend and what's happening in our lives. And uh, Wendy, you want to... Actually, Maria wrote an introduction to this song. Um, Maybe you could read that. And if you have some words that you want to add, please do. Sure. Um, We're going to listen to Joe Cocker singing with a little help from my friends. And uh, Maria wrote this about it. Um, I'd had a really challenging week. I got some pretty distressing news that I was dealing with, but I was able to talk about it with my AWOL group and with my sponsor and at a meeting, and I received tons of care and support. Still, it was pretty rough, and by the time I got to Friday evening, I thought to myself, wow, I don't even know how I made it through this week. But then the thought immediately came to me with a little help from my friends, which made me think of the Beatles song with a little help from my friends. And I thought that that might be a good song for this podcast on face-to-face meetings. Without the face-to-face aspect of the meetings, I never would have been able to develop these friendships or I never would have been able to share what's going on with me and then receive that feedback and support during my difficult times. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to second that as well. Um, it, I, No matter what I'm going through, it's going to a meeting that brings me peace. I I had a perfectly good Friday night, and but I just felt on edge. And I went to a meeting, and I walked out, and I said, I just feel at peace. And it was because... I listened to my friends at the meeting and I talked with my friends afterwards and I just felt at home and I felt encouraged and and just and so with a little help of my friends that's how I get through as well. What would you do if I sang out of tune Would you stand up and walk out on me Let me your ears and help Sing you a song I will try not to sing out of key Oh baby, how you die Oh, I need it, my boy section of the podcast, we talk about our lives in recovery, about what's happening in our meetings and in our lives this week. And I'm thinking back over my week. um, 
I had a business trip in the middle of the week, um, and it was not a trip into which I could have fit a meeting because it was sort of, uh, we flew down to New York Tuesday afternoon, um, went out to dinner, went to bed, had an all-day meeting Wednesday, went out to dinner as a group, you know, and then two, Thursday morning flew home. So I missed my normal Wednesday night meeting, and that makes two weeks in a row I've missed it, and I'm sort of feeling that I was sick the week before. And, uh, but, you know, it didn't, didn't mean that I didn't have a chance to practice my program uh, while I was traveling. I, mean, I find travel to be one of the places where the tools that I have found in the program sometimes work their hardest uh, to just deal with the annoyance and hassle that, that travel is. I mean, it just is, you know. I mean, starting out, you're outside of your regular routine and then, you know, flying so got to deal with the TSA, got to deal with the airlines procedures, got to deal with full airplanes, getting to New York, got to deal with a lot of people in a small space, um, you know, getting the, the taxi to the hotel. We got in, I think it was about six in the evening, something like that. So rush hours in full swing. And the taxi did amazingly well knowing like roads that weren't really busy to to get close and then and then we had to go across a bridge and the bridge was just crawling because that's what it does that time of night and i just wasn't being anxious about it i was just you know we'll get there when we get there actually trying hard not to watch out the windshield because me and New York taxi drivers, holy mm -hmm. shit. Um, <laughs> I think we only got honked at a couple of times, which is sort of a miracle, really. Um, and and then on Thursday, we're driving back to the airport, and this, this taxi driver's taking a different route, um, all expressway, whereas the, the route on, on Tuesday evening had been mostly surface roads and very little expressway. And the other people who were one of the other people who was with me was like, "No, we should have gone this way on uh, the other night because this way would have been a lot faster." And see how quick it is here. And I didn't have to buy into that. Mm. I didn't have to. It, the what if the the could have didn't matter. I mean, it absolutely didn't matter. I think I said something like, "Well, it probably was a lot busier Tuesday night, really." You know, but <laughs> and that was it. And he kept going, and I was like, "Not having this conversation. Just not having this conversation." So I, I, I did get to see my tools working. And, and funny, I had I had a, just a conversation with some coworkers, uh, people that I don't normally see. They work in New York and I work in Ann Arbor. And I forget how we were talking about this, but the, the topic came up of, you know, when people do things that really annoy you, it's often because it's something that, that you do yourself. And and I, I quoted the uh, the little aphorism, you know, if you spot it, you got it. And they were like, oh, that's good. Oh, I'll have to remember that. Like, Program wins again. <laughs> um, was it last Sunday that I went to the meeting and there were three people there? No, that was two weeks ago. Um, yeah, so um, let's see. So Sunday night, um, don't remember actually much about the Sunday night meeting. It was good, but uh, the topic hadn't stuck with me. Saturday morning meeting that I'm going to now uh, is a step meeting. We talked about step five, and there was some there was some really uh, powerful shares there. Uh, I talked about the freedom from secrets mm. that step five gives to me. That 
about a couple of cases where I had something I'd been carrying for a long time. And when I finally was able to share it with God, myself, and another person, it lost almost all the power that it had to to pull me into that shame cycle. Um, Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing that it works that way. So, yeah. That's my week. How about you? (laughs) Um, I... uh... I, I read my daily reader every day. Um, a friend of mine I had mentioned earlier um, had said something about the online meetings. And I'm like, yeah, I want to check that out. So I did. And um, somebody um, had suggested a topic and it, it, it didn't really resonate with me. It wasn't anything I was really going through at the time, but... Oh my gosh, once again, just some of the shares that, that people gave that it, it, I, I need to, I, I'd like to not be so dismissive of things because once again, I, I get wisdom in places that I don't expect it. I, I, you know, hear a topic and I just start to tune out because I'm thinking, oh, don't have that, tune off that. And, and then you hear these shares and I'm like, Oh, I definitely do that. Oh, wait, I got that in spades. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I'd like to be work on being a little less dismissive of things on the surface because uh, I'm always so surprised where where my uh, higher power chooses to to talk to me. I had been uh, Thursday. I had been all outside of, all outside of my hula hoop, as they say. Um, you know, I wasn't concentrating on what I could handle and what 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 was mine in, inside that hula hoop what was mine to deal with i was worrying about other people and worrying uh, you know and being in their business and uh, a friend on facebook for lack of a better place had said something about that and uh, uh it just instantly brought it home i'm like oh that's exactly what i'm doing stop just stop doing that. And I did. I mean, that's the power of this program. I mean, I may have even recognized that I was doing that, you know, almost two years ago before I got into the program that I was being outside of myself and being far too concerned in somebody else's business. But that wouldn't have stopped me. (laughs) But now, just through the grace of this program, I'm able to not only recognize it, but sometimes stop, sometimes stop the behavior. It's a miracle. Um, Friday, I just, I've been fighting a stupid cold and I just wasn't feeling very good. And I'm laying on the couch and uh, my fiance goes to a, a meeting at the same time. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, I said, ah, I think I'm just going to send you to the meeting. I don't think I'm going to go. And I thought, no, I need to go. I I, I like to go. I want to go. So I went, I went to the meeting and so glad I did. In fact, I think God was working through me. I don't know, because I felt so much healthier at the meeting. I've been feeling horrible laying on that couch, and I just felt instantly healthier at the meeting. But I just felt this strange peace. It was uh, I was on the first tradition. Uh, it was the topic of the meeting on Friday, and uh, just some really great shares. Um, uh Somebody had said something, kind of spurned something in me, that, and I ended up sharing um, – yeah, I, I don't know. I just, I felt, I walked out of that meeting just light, just at peace, at at home. And and I, I think perhaps some things I said resonated with a few of the, we had a few new members there that night and, and they came up and talked to me afterwards. So I think 
me being there, you know, made a difference for me and may have made a difference in somebody else. So I'm very glad I went. Um, Really had to work my program this weekend, was struggling with some stuff. And I said the serenity prayer so much, if you could wear it out, I wore it out this weekend. (laughs) But it helped. God doesn't wear out. Oh, my goodness. It didn't help. I, I, I handled things in such a healthier way. This weekend than if I had been presented with the same weekend two years ago. I mean, just little things. I was at CVS and they, you know, messed up my prescription and all these things. And I had to jump through a million hope, a million hoops. And I would have got so frustrated. And I would have, you know, lashed out at the, the poor cashier, even though it's not her problem. And I didn't. I just said the serenity prayer. And I thought, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. So I'm not going to get upset. Why am I going to raise my blood pressure and get upset? And I'll deal with it, you know, when I can. They can't do anything about it right now. So when I can do something about it, I will do something about it. And I walked out and I was patting myself on the back so hard. I I practically (laughs) dislocated my arm, let me tell you. (laughs) But I mean, it's it's tools that I learned in in the program. So, uh, so yeah, that that was uh, my week in, in recovery. All right. Thank you. Our topic next week will be relapse. Uh, This was suggested by a listener. I'll read email a little bit later. We welcome your thoughts. Uh, You can join the conversation, leave a voicemail, or send us an email with your experience or your questions about relapse. Some things to think about here. Um, You know, when our loved one goes to treatment and and they come home, do we expect that that they're going to be good from there on out forever? Uh, What happens when they when they do relapse? How do how do we react when they relapse? Um, Should we live our lives in fear of relapse? Um, You know. Or should we be Pollyannish and say, oh, it's not going to happen to me? I know it happens to other people, but it's not going to happen to me. Um, I think I've been in all those places. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, it should be an interesting discussion, and we'd love to love to hear from you, your experiences uh, with a loved one's relapse. Or, you know, what is an Al-Anon relapse? What does that look like if you have, a, have thoughts about that? That would be cool to hear, too. So, uh, Wendy, how can people uh, send us feedback to uh, give us their experience, strength, and hope? Uh, you can call us and leave us a voicemail at 734-707-8795. You can also use the voicemail button on the website to join the conversation from your computer. And if you prefer not to use your voice, you can send us an email at feedback at com. That's feedback at com, And we'd love to hear from you. I mean, share your experience, strength, and hope or your questions about today's topic of face-to-face meetings or next week's about relapse or even if you have a topic that you know, we've talked about in the past, or you'd like to hear us talk about it in the future, just, you know, share whatever you'd like to with us. Musical, if you got some music that spoke to you on a certain topic, feel free to share that to us. Um, hey, Spencer, where can our listeners find out more about The Recovery Show? Well, you know, our website, which is therecoveryshow.com, has all the information about the show. There's notes for each episode, a blog with, uh, well, Periodic meditations is what it says here. They've been kind of aperiodic uh, recently. I have I have two started, um, but not finished. <clears throat> yeah. Um, can you say busy? Can you say excuse? One of those things. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, links to the music we play and uh, some links to other recovery podcasts and other websites, recovery websites that we like, including uh, the one that I mentioned today in the rooms.com is linked there. And also the 
the podcast uh, from which I uh, was listening to that speaker tape that I uh, talked about. They're not tapes. They're MP3s, whatever. <laughs> I think this one actually probably originally came from a tape. It was from 1980-something, and you could tell the, the audio quality was not wonderful, but the content was. Uh, there, are, there are lots of ways to contribute to the content of the podcast um, or of the website by leaving comments on the blog, by suggesting topics, uh, you know, contribute a, a guest meditation. We've had uh, some wonderful ones in the past, and uh, I look forward, always look forward to hearing from people who, who want to contribute or share in that way. So just uh, hop on over to therecoveryshow.com and enter the conversation there. If you'd really like to join our conversation, literally, we do now have the capability to bring you into the podcast by phone or by Skype. And uh, if you're interested in doing that, uh, send email to feedback at com, and we'll set it up. Awesome. So the next song that I picked out um, that we will listen to before we check our, our email bag is Traveling Alone by Eric Clapton. And this to me is a, is a sort of a non-meeting song. This is this is a guy who's trying to do it alone, and uh, I don't think he's uh, really succeeding. Um, but uh, you can listen to it and, and decide for yourself. Uh, it's ju- just a couple of lyrics from the song here. It's, Nobody knows my trouble but the good Lord above. Nobody knows my trouble but the good Lord above. And, you know, I've been there where nobody knew my trouble, and I wasn't so keen on the good Lord above either, so um, I had nothing. And uh, I even now I feel that that I need people and my higher power to really get through. Okay, well, let's uh, dive into our email bag here, and uh, we'll start out with an email from Michelle. Uh, You want to read that, uh, Wendy? Sure. Michelle writes, I'm an ACOA who's also in Al-Anon and Naranon. Naranon, I think. Oh, Naranon. Okay. A new one for me. That's... Um, uh, yeah, it's like Al-Anon for people who um, have, uh, have addicts, uh, ah. specifically narcotics addiction. <gasps> Learn something new every day. Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a son who's an intermittently recovering heroin addict. Guess that makes me a triple winner. I'd love another parent's roundtable. 
You could feature Mark and Anna if they're up to it as well as anyone else who's interested. I'd be happy to join by voicemail myself if you'd like to send questions or take sound bites from my responses or do an interview by phone and edit that as you recently did with Ruth. Great interview, by the way. I think relapse would be a good topic. So many of us parents, especially, naively believe that our loved ones will emerge from rehab as if from a car wash, scrubbed clean and ready to go. As we've all learned, though, through hard experience, it's not that easy. Since addiction, alcoholism, and codependency are spiritual illnesses that only long-term spiritual recovery work can address. I've learned that, especially with early-onset addicts like my son, addicted four years, his 21st birthday is coming up at the end of this month. The average number of rehabs is five. Thank God, and Obama, who made the Blue Cross Blue Shield cover the whole ordeal 100%, we got the first three behind us just this past year. I listen to the old big book readings, and they're wonderful. But sometimes it strikes me that they seem so focused on getting an adult back to a busy, productive life that was interrupted by his or her disease. These young addicts never made the lives that they would theoretically be returning to. So they have the triple task of abstaining from the drug of choice, finishing mental or even physical growth. My son has grown two inches and put on 20 pounds since rehab. And and then also learning life skills that pass them by, driver's license, first job, when they were too messed up to care. My son says he honestly doesn't remember much of the past four years of his life, despite managing to graduate high school with a 4.0 and get into a competitive college, which he's since been expelled from. <clears throat> I guess another topic could be, how do you differentiate enabling using from enabling recovery? When you know your addict would, and does, relapse if he hits the streets again. Now, my son is in a halfway house, and we wrestle with whether we should still be covering his room and board after five months, knowing he's had some slips while there, and he still doesn't have a job. I'm working two jobs, and we're paying nearly the amount of our mortgage to keep him housed and fed four states away. Right now, that four states is an important distinction, because we've discovered the closer he gets— the crazier and more dependent we get. So my cousin, my husband rather, says we're literally ransoming our sanity. Maybe the concept that absence makes the mind grow saner could be a third topic for discussion. I want to take this opportunity to again thank you for your dedication to this podcast. You're doing a wonderful job soldiering on without those who shall not be named. Love and continued recovery, Michelle. And those are those are great. Uh, great topic ideas, and you can see I picked up your relapse topic, and uh, want to talk about it next week. And you know, when I was reading Michelle's email earlier, um, I missed the part where she said um, she'd like to participate and maybe even phone interview. And I'm like, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'll be writing to you, Michelle, uh, saying when can we talk, and uh, yeah. Um, and and also, uh, you know, I hadn't really thought a lot about this question of of young addicts and alcoholics and and how recovery is different because you know, frankly, I wasn't there. Um, my kids have not, at least yet, shown that tendency. And the longer they go without it, the happier I am. <laughs> uh, you know, my alcoholic was as as she says, you know, sort of putting a, a life interrupted back together. Um, and I think I'm going to send that that one on over to Mark at recoveredcast.com at the, the Recovered Podcast uh, and see if he uh, 
would like to pick that up as a topic because I, I think it, it is an interesting question. And I know he has some contact with the recovery community at the university here. And, and uh, there's a lot of young people in the meetings around this area. And I'm sure he could find some people who would have a lot to say and be able to say it very well. Um, wow, you said so much there. Um, enabling, damn, that's, yeah, again, another hard one. Um, and uh, probably a good one. I don't know if we've done enabling. I don't think we have in in any way, shape, or form, except to sort of talk about it in connection with other topics. So lots of good ideas. So much time. So many topics, so little time. <laughs> and, uh, you know, next month, uh, Tradition 2 is going to come around. Uh, uh, so we can think ahead to that as well. Um, Mary sent us an email in response to a question that was asked by a listener last week uh, related to, uh, um, well, I'll just read her email. Hello, Spencer. I'd like to reply to the listener who's in the uh, SA program who wrote in last week. I have been attending Al-Anon for about 10 months now, and between the meetings several times a week, my church family and my higher power, I've received healing I didn't know was possible. But something that most people in my group do not know is that I've never had an active alcoholic in my life. My ex-husband is a sex addict. I live in a smaller town that doesn't have a lot of support group options, but there has never been a time when I went to a meeting and felt it did not apply to me or someone I love somehow. Since Al-Anon is about us and not the addict, in my mind a codependent is a codependent, and in a lot of ways an addict is an addict. Many people struggle with multiple addictions as well. There's a lot of crossover. I know one of one other woman who's married to a sex addict and goes to Al-Anon, and I know of many others who's experienced the betrayal of affairs from their partners. I understand that the betrayal experienced by the partners of sex addicts is profound. I've been recovering for almost a year, and I'm sure there are things I haven't begun to process yet. But I face every day with a lot more confidence and hope, and a whole lot more peace than I ever have. It took me a long time, about 10 years, before I was willing to truly face the situation and the shame and the stigma and get some real help. Until I was in a place where it was okay to be honest and there was no judgment or shame, I was stuck in the same cycle, choosing to stay in a place where I was being abused. I got help and realized I was not a victim, I was a volunteer. My ex-husband was unwilling to be honest and do the hard work of recovery, so leaving him became a clear step for me, but that's not always the case. There are recouples who do recover from sexual addiction. I don't know what the best next steps are for either of you, uh, I think referring to the writer and his spouse, he was him, but I do know that unless you're able to process your feelings, face up to the ugly truth, and learn healthier ways of coping with life in general, you will keep repeating the same mistakes, and I'm a very firm believer that this is a tough job, best done with the help of a higher power, because addiction and recovery is bigger than all of us. We are powerless over it, but he is not. Best wishes to you both, Mary. And thank you, Mary, for, for sharing your experience. And uh, I hope that our listener might find that um, a little helpful. Uh, I will say from my own personal experience, one of the first people that asked me to be a sponsor uh, in Elanon uh, was living with a sex addict, uh, but found help and recovery in Elanon. I, I think eventually they left their partner. I don't, I don't know that for sure, but uh, it, it definitely was a, was a tough struggle, and I think their partner was not in any kind of recovery at that point either, so even tougher. iTunes reviews and ratings uh, help to make us easier to find by those in need who are seeking recovery, so uh, we'd like to encourage you to go there and give us a review or a rating, and uh, 
If you're concerned about anonymity, you can give a rating without writing a review, and iTunes will not show your identity. We got uh, one review in the last couple of weeks. Uh, it was titled Priceless uh, by Mac from the United Kingdom, and the full review was life-changing. Wow. Um, you know, I was listening, as I said, I was listening to this uh, speaker uh, tape uh, talk about uh, about sponsorship, and she said that she always tried to remember that she was not the source of any wisdom, that she was only the channel, and that when she received thanks for what she had done, she tried to remember to channel that back to the source, which is her higher power. And I thought, that is really good. Mm. That is really good. This is, you know, I have so much gratitude to my higher power for what um, my higher power has enabled me to do here. Um, and uh, so life-changing, not from me. <laughs> so uh, let's see. Not too much uh, in the way of uh, podcast website news here, uh, except that there isn't much. Uh, we did get uh, the website onto a new web server. It does seem to be a little smoother, a little faster than it was, um, which I, I'm happy about. Um, I don't know if anybody else will care, but uh, I am. And, uh, and, and got my uh, service provider off my back because of all the Chinese spammers that were trying to write uh, spam that was uh, bogging it down. Not doing that anymore. It doesn't cost you anything to listen to The Recovery Show. We do have expenses, which run about $60 a month. You can help to support us and keep us on the web and in your ear in a couple of ways. We have a donation button on the website where you can support us directly, just like Becky and Matthew did. You want to read about uh, Amazon Books, Wendy? Sure. You can also help support us by buying recovery books from Amazon. We've put together a list of recovery-related books. Just click on the Books link at the top of the page. If you order one of these books from Amazon through our website, we will receive a small commission. In fact, anything you order from Amazon after clicking on one of these links from our website will help us. It costs you nothing extra and helps keep us on the air. And thank you for your support in whatever form you give it, including just listening to us. We are here for you. I'm going to close the show with an obviously titled song. It's titled Face to Face. It's by Daft Punk. And I remember when my son, I think, was just about a freshman in high school, so that would have been almost 10 years ago now. Wow. <laughs> Scary thought. Um, you know, it was it was Christmas time or birthday or whatever, and we're like, what do you want? He says, well, I want some music by Daft Punk. And I had never heard of them. I had no idea what kind of music they were, what genre, whether this was something I wanted my 13 or 14-year-old son listening to. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, you know, he, he really got into them. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar, they're sort of electronic dance techno. Um, I think they're French and, uh, they, uh, they did most of the soundtrack for the Tron two movie. If that, uh, maybe you saw that movie or maybe you didn't, I'm sure a lot of people didn't, but anyway, this, this song's called face to face. And I picked out a couple of lyrics here that to me speak to, um, Speak to the the strength of going to meetings and and meeting face to face with other people. Says there's not much I know about you. Fear will always make you blind, but the answer is in clear view. It's amazing what you'll find face to face. We'll be right back. 
Thank you for listening, and please keep coming back. Whatever your problems, there are those among us who have had them too. We did not talk about a problem you are facing today. Feel free to contact us so we can talk about it in a future episode. Understanding, love, and peace growing you one day at a time. What's going on? Could this be my understanding? It's not your fault. I was being too demanding. I must admit, it's my pride that made me distant. All because I hoped that you'd be someone different. There's not much I know about you. Fear will always make you blind. But the answer is in clear view. It's amazing what you'll find face to face.